Hi, I'm Patrick Finley. He's Mark Potash, and he's Jason Leisure. Welcome to Hallis Intrigue, the Chicago Bears podcast, where guys, coming up, we will make our predictions for the Bears-Eagles game. We'll talk about what we could possibly learn uh, in a game between one of the league's worst and probably the league's best team, and we will break down what's going on with Justin Fields. All that and more coming up on Hallis Intrigue. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Jason, the Bears are back off of their bye, and we are too. What do you do on the bye? Housework. Okay. What was the most interesting of the houseworks? Vacuuming. Do you like vacuuming? Uh, No. Potsy, do you like vacuuming? I love it. Do you really? Yeah, because I love seeing things get clean. Really? Really, uh, I'm kind of OCD about about things like that. I know that he does an interesting thing. He takes a picture of the room before he cleans it. You and do he, a before and after, and not and just to see, yeah. just for his own, rec- yeah. just for his own interest. Yeah, he well, doesn't like. He doesn't go around and like show the other people in his family and no. be like, oh, see, see what a pigsty this was, and see what I did. Like right. it's. Oh, sometimes you do. Sometimes, I think sometimes I just, you do use that for shaming. Some, no, no, no. Okay. I just, yeah, I don't know. I can't remember. I don't know why we're talking about. I think this. social shaming is something that's lost in today's society. I like shaming. I, I try uh, and do it with wow. my kid, and it doesn't. You're coming out pro shaming. Yeah, I try and shame my kid into like, like I, I'm, or you should be disappointed in yourself that it's this dirty. It doesn't work, but I, I think it's a good concept. There are times when my kids don't smell the best, okay. and I'm like, this feels like something the other children should take care of. <laughs> you know, yeah. just a little bit of mocking, and this would solve this problem real quick. Like when you have a little spinach in your teeth, you expect somebody to say, right. Pa- the Eagles have the number one scoring hey, offense hey, no, no. in the we NFL. Can talk about that. Yeah, this, this is going to be only this, about vacuuming. Pot. This is a very interesting <laughs> couple of weeks for the Bears because yeah. they're playing like maybe the two teams that'll be in the Super Bowl. Um, and Alan Williams, the defensive coordinator, was saying today, Mark, you were asking him about the Eagles' offense, and he said very genuinely, "I I don't think they have a weakness." That's bad right. news for a Bears defense. That, that during, has a thousand of them. Well, during the Bears losing streak, Bears have lost six in a row now. They've given up more points than anybody else in football during that span, which is amazing considering that they've played one fewer game than a couple of teams during that span. So this Bears defense coming uh, maybe at a low point in their season against an offense pot see that's maybe the best in football. Yeah, and I think uh, I think Alan Williams saying that the bal- I think they're balanced all on both sides of the ball in every facet, like. They have a really good pass rush, and yet they're not really among the leaders in sacks, but they still have a really good pass rush. I mean, they're, 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 they have a good running attack, but they're not among the league, like even in the top ten in rushing. But the individuals a, you're talking about. Right. As yeah. a team, they no, are. No, well, as yeah. a team, they're, well, even, even their, their passing numbers are much better than their rushing numbers. Okay, that's right. So what I'm saying is they, they are, they're kind of stealthily, stealthily, is that a word? Sure. Yeah. Um, Balanced. In, in other words, it's not like some teams like you see the, you know, the Patriots or the Chiefs, they're number one in everything or whatever. They're a tough team to – I think the point is they're a tough team to prepare for. They're a tough team for the Bears to play, especially this defense, the way, you know, the, the, way the Bears are going. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the, the Eagles have averaged what, what – I think I had the number, but they scored 45, 40, and 49, something. They were averaging like almost 40 points in their last three games. The Bears are giving up a lot of points. It's a, yeah, it's going to be a, a tough chore for a, for a defense that has really, um, you know, has really been challenged. You know, the Bears are, uh, you know, the Bears are uh, the, 
The Bears' passing percentage allowed is this year? Passer rating? Allowed? No, passer percentage. Oh, oh completion. completion percentage. Okay, yeah. 66.6. That's two-thirds, Potsy, last I Almost, checked. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. And, and Jason, also the Eagles allow 29, or uh, scored 29-point-something points per game, which is the most in the NFL. <laughs> they do everything well. They want, yeah. I, I look at them as the offense that the Bears want to be when they grow up. Man, the first thing you, you think of is beyond the quarterbacks, and they have obvious similarities. I think they're one and two in quarterback rushing in the league. Mm-hmm. Look at that offensive line. Right. I mean, that's the thing Ryan Poles is going to be just salivating over wow. during this game is like, look. And that's Philly. This is what they were when they won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles mm-hmm. and Carson Wentz before that. Like two guys that have not really been great quarterbacks otherwise. They had very good defense, but on offense, they had an incredible offensive line and a great running game. And that's a good, I think it's a good point. For one thing, it's, it's you know, we've always done the template thing with the Rams. It was the Rams when Nagy was here, right? right Father, right, and sure. that never came, that did not come to fruition. Uh, this is, uh, By the way, that barely came to fruition for the Rams. All right. Anyway, right. Well, yeah, but at right. least it did, eventually <laughs> did. But but anyway, and, and, and with all due respect, I, I think it's a tough template to follow, to ask the, to ask the Bears to follow this because for that very reason, they have a great offensive line and they have remnants of a Super Bowl winning team. They did not build from the ground up. They, right. two, you know, I think it's Lane Johnson and Kelsey, mm-hmm. uh, the center. Jason Kelsey. Jason, yeah, they, they have two starters on their offensive line who played, who actually won a Super Bowl. They have, they have, they they have had, and, and they've always had one of the best offensive lines of football. The Bears are totally rebuilding, and aren't there aren't even. We don't even know. Here's an interesting. This is a little sidetrack. In the last three weeks, I've heard two things about the Bears. I've heard they need to totally revamp their offensive line, and I've also heard great things about Alex Leatherwood, about Braxton Jones, about Sam Mustafer, mm-hmm. about Tevin Jenkins, about every, every, every Bears offensive lineman as if they were keepers. So those are two like totally opposite things. Which way do they have to go? And my general point is this. The Bears don't have the offensive line to really even make that comparison. Or, or to even say this is what they have to do. The only good thing is, from a bear standpoint, is that this is what that, that's supposed to be Poles' baby, right? The offensive line. In theory, that, yeah. That it, so far, mm, I don't know, right? Right. I mean, right. Braxton Jones, good. He's fine. But, he's I fine. Mean, yeah. But good. But, I don't, you know, he's he's good for a fifth round pick. Like I said, he needs to be good. Right. Yeah. Know? Just straight yeah. up good, right. or else you right. need somebody right. else. He needs to be, right. So so he's not there yet. But but the question that, that is the one thing like Ryan Ryan Poles has. Uh, offensive line expertise, he's got an offseason to get it right. Yeah, I will say this, though. I think the way the Eagles built their roster, whether you want to call it a rebuild or a build, is instructive in that, you know, they traded down in the draft a couple of times. Uh, you know, they, they drafted Devontae Smith, uh, who is their second-best uh, wide receiver. They traded for a number one receiver in A.J. Brown. Yeah. A.J. Brown, they gave oh, him $100 sure. million. Yeah. A.J. Brown is not Chase Claypool. <laughs> A.J. Right. Brown is a legitimate star to put next to your quarterback yeah. who needed to take the next step in the pass games in particular, and he's done just that. Jalen Hurts leads the league in passer rating. Yeah, I, I agree 100%, especially with the wide, you know, the wide receiver point is is obviously excellent because mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, if you look at some of the top passers, they've all gotten better. This goes back to that point. How do you, you know, you have to learn how to win. Well, you know, a good receiver makes a better quarterback. That's, I think, that's what, that's a better way how you win. And and they have done that. So you're right. Following that is absolutely right. And just and being balanced and all that. I just think uh, their start their starting point makes it uh, really really tough to just say here's what we want to do. Uh, you know, and just follow that. Jason, what's amazing to me is that the Eagles 
are going to have a draft pick that's not going to be that far away from the Bears' draft pick. They're by virtue fourth, I think, as of right now. Right, by virtue of a trade they made with the Saints this offseason. So this, as opposed to the Rams, you know, we talked about that Rams template, this seems to be something that can sustain itself if you keep injecting young talent, and they're going to have an opportunity to. They have that extra first this year plus their own, and then an extra third next year. And the quarterback is good. He's young. Jalen Hurts is, I think, the front runner right now to win MVP. Um, these next two weeks, though, you will not find any part of the schedule where the Bears are more outmanned personnel-wise right. than these next two weeks. Yet, I would say these are going to be interesting games to watch, nonetheless, mm-hmm. because Justin Fields going against these teams, going against these defenses, and even though he doesn't ever, he always pushes back on looking at it this way, matching up with the other team's quarterback in terms of trying to keep up with right. the other team's quarterback, that's going to be good theater. That is going to show you a little bit about where he's at, but I think really it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And there was a scare with Justin Fields. I don't know if a scare is even probably too strong. A scare is too strong of a word. Some concern maybe when he missed Wednesday's practice with illness. But he's back Thursday, and the Bears have downplayed this all along. Matt Eberflus really doesn't usually tip his hand any any whatsoever about any of this. But he even he said from the start they were expecting that he would play against the Eagles, and there's no reason to expect anything different as of right now. Yeah, no, there's not. What's interesting to me, though, is that you talk about this wealth of talent that Jalen Hurts has around him. Dallas Goddard, their, their really good tight end, uh, could come back on Sunday. They took him off of IR or opened that 21-day window on Monday. So he's going to have Dallas Goddard, two really good receivers, Miles Sanders, who's an okay running back. And Justin Fields is going to have David Montgomery and Cole Komet, and maybe that's it, because as we sit here right now, Chase Claypool's knee um, has prevented him from practicing uh, the last uh, two days. And without him as their kind of, I guess he's a nominal number one receiver, even though his numbers don't show that. Uh, I mean, we're back to kind of where we started, <laughs> if not worse, worse. In, in the pass catcher realm. I mean, I, I think you could argue that Komet is better now than he was at the start of the season. But beyond that, you're minus Mooney. And now you're, I mean, <laughs> who in the world are you going to throw the ball to? The Claypool thing is really just a thud, I think, for Bears fans, Mark, because you look at, like, a whole, and, and it's, five, it's a, what, a month and a half in. Like, he might have a very long career with the Bears, and it might go very differently than it has so far. But you look at a whole season where it's like, if you're a Bears fan watching, everybody's leaving. All the exciting people are out the door, and then out of nowhere, they bring in this guy. They bring in they right. bring someone in that you know that you've heard of that not just because he played at Notre Dame but because he had two really good seasons with the Steelers he's a really impressive player and everyone's so excited and then nothing then it's just thud there's been so little from Chase Claypool it's a I think it's a, I think it's fair to call it a disappointment because the only reason not the only reason the biggest reason to make that trade well was to a I think it showed that hey. Uh, that, that Ryan Poles isn't going to just sit still with the wide receiver situation. He's going to make it better. But it was also, I think, to get production this year. I think that, yeah. I mean, what, he had to know that that's, that pick he gave up was going to be a pretty high pick. Oh, and yeah. would you trade the number 33 or 34 pick in the draft for Chase Claypool in the offseason? No. Or would you take your chances no. with the best wide receiver you can get at that at that pick? I mean, no, I, I think you'd, I'd rather have I don't think you'd make the deal. Right. So the only reason to do it was he, to get production now or to get him acclimated, in theory, to the offense now to, for, for, for a payoff later. But the point, I guess my point is that they're not getting enough uh, bang for their buck. Yeah, uh, so far it's, right that, now. it's it, about 100 it's been, yards on 
12 catches. And now all we're hearing is how complicated the offense is. And I'll be honest, I can't remember exactly what I was told, but the explanations, the rationalizations for why he hasn't been, why Claypool has not been as productive, it just sounds... I don't buy it. I, I don't I, it just—it sounds like this guy's not as good. It sounds like this guy's not as good as we thought. Well, that, that's that's my analysis. And Matt Eberflus, Matt Eberflus had said earlier in this week that he kind of wasn't as far along as they had hoped. You know, he he said it far more gracefully than that. But then Luke Getzey talking Thursday said, "No, he knows he knows what he needs to know." Getzey goes out of his way to say the the wide receiver room has it the hardest of any other position group in terms of learning the playbook because all their receivers play all the receiver positions. Well, then why'd you get them at midseason? Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, I mean that that's the thing. That, that, yeah. see, that seems kind of productive. Well, furthermore, Mark, there's always going to be, until Chase Claypool really shows you something, there's going to be this underlying concern of why was he available? Why was he available from yeah. a, a respected organization that usually gets these things right? Right, yeah. And that is rebuilding and needs help at that position. They were willing to essentially get a refund. That's a good point. On yeah. Chase Claypool by getting back basically the pick that they had given up to get him. Yeah, in the that first sounds place. like one of those things where it didn't do quite as much homework. I mean, I'm sure they did their due diligence, but it not as sometimes you, you can do that and still not know uh, everything you need to know. And I'm not saying he won't, like you said, he could be great and maybe he just takes time. All I'm saying is the early indications are this is not the move that uh, it's not going to work out as well as he hoped. It's well, been quite a bit of time already. Yeah, yeah, but Ryan Paul said when they made the trade that this was a reflection of what the free agent pool was going to be this offseason. Right. That they essentially didn't have anybody they loved in free agency that they saw as good as Claypool. I think Jacoby Myers, probably the number one receiver. What, Juju Smith-Schuster, something like that. And there are always surprises. Maybe guys uh, get there. Or maybe, you know, we have an A.J. Brown situation where there's a really good wide receiver on another team that decides that they want to get traded, and, and maybe the always very, a possibility with wide receivers. I mean, that's the it's kind of the NBA model is yeah. is you keep as much cap space yeah. as you can and yeah. hope hope somebody yeah. else's yeah. star gets angry. Uh, but yeah, he would rather have this than what was ever behind door number two. But I mean, I don't see it. I, yeah, I, it's it's hard. I mean, who at this time who knew that Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, and AJ Brown would be available? So you, I mean, right. Yeah, right. at this time last year, who knew? So right. yeah, so you, you're right. It's a good point. You do have to be prepared. But I, and I get the point, and I get the argument that uh, there would, uh, free agency wise, it doesn't look like there will be a lot. So it can still work out. But boy, it just it just shows you how desperate the Pierce are to get a, a number one wide receiver. Yeah, or I mean, I mean, I think they have what two two twos right now. A two and a yeah, three? I mean, I think even if Claypool was playing like he did his first two seasons in Pittsburgh, it's, it's not enough. Him and Mooney is not enough. No. That's a, that doesn't stack up with what you saw in the Super Bowl last year with the Bengals and the Rams. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. Uh, Justin Fields said that the last game he played uh, against the Packers was, he thought, maybe the best passing day of his career. Uh, I'm not sure that I buy that, given that he threw no touchdowns and two interceptions. But he sure is... He, he sure looked comfortable in a way that I'm, I'm not sure we'd seen this season. It's a low bar for best passing game of his career. He's played 20, he's had 25 starts or something like that, and not a lot of great passing performances in there. I mean, before other than the picks, he was 20 of 23, 250 yards. You'd love that. Right. But, but you don't get to look at any game and say other than the picks. Right. He's, he's in a stage right now where he will get a little bit of that, right. where you'll be able to say, hey, he, this was good from the game, this was bad from the game. But, like, Jalen Hurts isn't being evaluated like that. No. Jalen Hurts is in year three, mm-hmm. and he plays well or he plays poorly. Right. And that's it. He either is contrib- He's either why they won, why they lost, whatever. Like, he's either playing good games or bad. There's not any of this 
like, you know, kind of a sifting through it and saying, okay, here was good, here was bad. Like, right. eventually, you know, we're not applying those developmental standards to Justin Fields. No, and, you know, Jalen Hurts, that's why he's going to be the MVP of the league because they, they've lost one game this season. But I think from a developmental standpoint, I think that's significant that Justin Fields himself feels like he – here's a guy who's thrown three touchdowns in a game before. Not a lot of passing yards, not a lot of completions. I can't even remember who it was against, to tell you the truth. You guys recall? Three? The three, he threw three. Uh, did Miami? He have, did he have, uh, maybe he had two yeah. against the Niners, I believe, in the Rams. Well, he had three. Well, anyway, but the point being, he's had, he's had a game where he's thrown three touchdowns in a game, and and he felt and, and I, I agree that he just looked more comfortable. Looked like it was a more of a of a of a regular a big boy passing passing attack, even though it didn't. You know, it was you know, obviously the, the interceptions. But um, looking ahead, looking you know, look uh, looking at the, in the final four weeks, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can. Uh, if he can, you know, take that to another level, especially like we say against these defenses, I think it's going to be really interesting to watch because the Bears have been in these situations; they've gotten totally blown out. Sure, we've seen bad Bear teams get totally blown out. I think it's significant if the Bears uh, at least show something in these next two games, especially and all four. All four opponents are actually pretty good now. So with the with the Lions on a roll, and and who knows what the Vikings will have at stake uh, in Week 18. But I I think. When you're talking about Justin Fields, I think it's going to be really interesting to see if he can build on what he thinks. Right. Because at this point, how he th- how he feels, I think, is pretty important. Because sure. uh, just because they're in such a developmental stage, and and uh, and so uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how he does. I think the difference between these next two games against the Eagles and the Bills, and the final two against the Lions and the Vikings, is that the Eagles and Bills can play defense. Uh, you know, the Vikings have the worst defense mm-hmm. in football. The Lions are up there too. You know, there could be a false positive if Justin right. Fields plays well against uh, either of those two teams. I want to see what he does against a defense that is uh, a step up in, in talent from one that the, from almost any that they played what since the Cowboys probably. Yeah. That's really all I want to see, Mark. Right. I, I'm not really. I, I'm kind of. I've given up on their defense at this point. I mean, yeah. If they play the Eagles and the Bills and lose those games, fifty to thirty. Okay, pretty good day, all right. I, I guess yeah. if Justin Fields gets him to thirty, then that against those defenses, that works for me at this point. Yeah, I think the focus is on the is on the offense. I think the defense is going to be an off season uh, uh, area of improvement. Let's put it that way. They just have so much work they have to do uh, there that uh, I don't think it's going to all of a sudden get a click. I think they'll be better. I think especially with Brisker and Gordon back, and and those you know those are you know they're not great players yet, but they're I think they're they're better than what they had, and I think I think they'll show some improvement. But uh, I think for this defense to get to where they wanted to go, the whole hits principle thing with taking the ball away, you know, rushing the passer with four down linemen, uh, uh, I, I, I'll be surprised if we, if we see that kind of thing all of a sudden click in the, in the last four games. That's the other thing I find compelling about the Eagles is that they run the Bears stuff. You know, Jonathan Gannon comes from the same school right. as Matt Eberflus. They work together. And, and, and I think on Sunday you will see uh, an A or A-minus version of how to run that stuff and probably a C- minus or D-plus version of how that, to run that stuff. Jason, what was the score you just offered up? 50 to 30? 50 to 30. If you get, if you get the Bears, it almost doesn't matter what the other score is. If the sure. Bears are scoring 30 against the Eagles and the Bills, those are good days for the Bears, no matter what the other number is. That is as not- long as they're not getting the 30 after they've given up the 50. Because <laughs> as then, long as it's not like empty, yeah, an empty 30 yeah, it's points. Got, it's yeah. got to mean something. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those scores, watch this very seamless transition, by the way. Those that score, Jason, is not that different than the scores that we have all predicted in our Bears Eagles picks. I'm titillated, Pet. Uh, all six of the Sun Times 
experts have picked the Eagles by various degree, varying degrees of blowoutedness. Posse, you've got them 31-17. Jason, 41-33. No, I, that's not right. There's that, no way I said that. For, oh, maybe I have a typo. Maybe it's 41-23. Maybe it's 41-23. And I have them 44-25. Um, I think we're all thinking the same thing, which is that this defense is going to be lucky to hang on. Um, and, you know, I think yards per play during their losing streak, almost six and a half yards per play the Bears have given up. Uh, it's really hard to force a punt of any sort when you're doing that, isn't it? Yeah, I think bad weather is going to be the, probably the reason why I think I went with a little lower total than everybody else, uh, and that might be part of the might be part of the best part of the Bears' defense on Sunday. I'm not sure exactly how bad it's going to be, but that's supposed to be great. But yeah, it's uh, like I said, it's it's uh, it's a daunting <coughs> it's, excuse me, it's a daunting challenge, but. Um, but uh, I still think there's something to get out of it. I think it'll be interesting to see that just how well they can play these good, these you know, two good teams. So, still something to watch uh, this season. Uh, uh, we're a lot better off than we were a year ago. Is that a good reflection, Jason, of Eberflus and his staff? Um, you know, we saw them coming out of the mini buy make some adjustments that led to a win, but more importantly, led to just kind of a more cogent offensive attack. Uh, do you think that we can learn anything about him? Sunday, based on what they did over the bye, but also just how they comport themselves against, like you said, maybe the the best team in the NFC. Yeah, I think that one of the things Matt Eberflus has done that shows promise about him is that he has adjusted throughout the season. He's been flexible. He blitzes now. He never used to blitz. That was a problem with the previous staff philosophically. Right. The inflexibility, the inability to recognize when and how to adjust. Eberflus has done it during games. You've seen consistently good halftime adjustments, and he's done it throughout the season. This would be another time to do that coming out of this break. Yeah, we'll see whether they can. Uh, <laughs> I think we all agree that, that there's a, a good possibility that Sunday uh, is bloody. And then they've got that Bills game six days later instead of seven because they're playing on Christmas Eve. So uh, we will learn a lot about them in a six-day span. You can follow along with us. Uh, as we learn, uh, until then, you can check out Mark, Jason, and myself on Twitter. You can pick up a Chicago Sun-Times uh, if you've got one near you. And if not, please go to our website. It is free now and forever, it sounds like, which is a really good deal for everyone. Uh, if, you, uh, uh, if you like the podcast, please like, rate, and review it. If you don't like the podcast, go ahead and skip that step. Until then, uh, he's Jason. He's Mark. I am Patrick. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back again real soon. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.